Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen. All three locations in Goleta and Santa Barbara are open from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. for lunch and 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. for dinner. I just ordered my farmhouse salad online for dinner and picked it up without any issues, but you can also do delivery or curbside pickup for your convenience. Make sure to check out their GoFundMe campaign to help feed families in need at kyleskitchen.com slash givingback. Every dollar raised will be matched by Kyle's family for up to $10,000. Again, kyleskitchen.com slash givingback. Make sure to go and donate. During these uncertain times, Kyle and the Gauchos are doing their part to give back to the community. Well, we've made it to episode four of the Gaucho 9 pod. And as we enter June, we've got a lot more exciting stuff for you on the way. And today is no exception. Skip Schumacher is here. He's the new associate head coach for the San Diego Padres. He played the World Series, won a World Series in 2011 against a gaucho, Michael Young. And uh, also Coach Bronsima, the former head coach for the Gauchos, who was Skip's coach back in 2001. He joins us on the pod. We had a lot of fun reminiscing about 2001, talking about coaching mentality and just uh, some some nitty-gritty stuff. It was really good. And uh, we thank Skip and Bob for joining. So, as you enjoy your podcast on this Sunday, please sit back and relax for Skip and Bronze. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts us to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him. And the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big West. Okay, we got a special podcast for you today. Uh, two Gauchos. We got a former coach and a former player, former big leaguer, who've... Uh, you know, have been a big part of this program and are doing big things in the baseball world. And we'll introduce the first one here. Many of you know him. Many of you know his voice and potentially have seen his face on TV a couple times. But uh, he's the all-time winningest coach in UCSB baseball history. And he is the color commentator on Big West TV. He was also a player in the Gauch uniform at, at one point in the past. But uh, Coach Bronsma, welcome. How you doing, Kevin? Good to be here. Our second guest here, who is out of Laguna de Gel, transferred to UCSB back in 2000. He set program records with a big year in 2001, 250 at-bats. He had 100 hits. That's good for a 400 average. Only four other Gauchos have achieved that in their Gaucho careers. He also led the team that year with 19 doubles, 22 stolen bases. Fifth-round pick in 2001 by the St. Louis Cardinals. He went on to play. 11 years in the big leagues, played over a thousand games with three different teams, and he was a World Series champion 2011, currently coaching with the San Diego Padres. Welcome to the Gaucho 9 podcast, Skip Schumacher. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Excited, especially Bronx on board. Can't do this by myself. He's always held my hand, so I'm, I'm excited about this. Bronx was certainly a big addition. When I, when I sent him the text, he was a little hesitant at first, but he came around and, and I'm glad he did. Me too. People want to hear the big, big name guys, the big stars like Skip. And so I didn't, they didn't want to ruin his, his shining moment, but 
<laughs> what the hell, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> going through the record books, you know, trying to find statistics and going through the roster and learning about Skip, I kept coming across this guy named Jared. Jared Schumacher. Is he, is he the same guy or is that a different guy? Same guy. Um, I don't hear Jared many, uh, many times in my life, uh, since I was about five years old, my, uh, we had a few Jared's on my T-ball team. Um, and my dad nicknamed me skip. I could do a lot of things athletically. Couldn't skip real well. Uh, <laughs> thought it'd be pretty funny. And, uh, he nicknamed me that because whenever you would, the coach would say, Hey, Jared, all of us would come over. He didn't like the name Jared anyway. So, um, he, he's, he's told me that my whole life. It's pretty sweet. Um, so not that skip is any better, you know, I mean, it wish it have been like a tougher nickname. Um, but, uh, skip is where it's at. And, um, and so that's what everyone calls me. My mom actually, when I was 16, this was a really cool thing. I got a Dodge duster, a 69 Dodge duster, old, kind of an old school car. Um, rebuilt it with my dad when I was 15. Really cool. At 16, when I got my license, my license plates, my license plates, it's Skippy. So that was fun to drive up to. <laughs> like peanut butter. Skippy on my uh, license plate of my Dodge Duster. So, yeah, but Jared is my uh, real name. And, and there's some nickname uh, that I overheard in the banter before we went. Okay, well, yeah. So really a good story was, so as you know, as you said, that, that Skip transferred from Loyola Marymount and uh, into UCSB. And uh, our first trip, his first trip, back to Loyal as a member of the Gauchos, he got introduced by the PA guy at a school that he went to and was good at. First they called him Jerry Schmuckler, and they, then they finally called him Jared Schmuckler. And they, every, every time he came up, they called him something different. And it was, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was really funny and it was especially funny when Skip got like 15 hits that weekend and we just pounded him for three straight games, <laughs> he let it kind of go a little bit, I guess, but it was, seemed pretty insulting at the time. Uh, but he ultimately had the last laugh. He had a great weekend. Was it yeah. Buckler, pretty good, pretty good player. Yeah. Jerry yeah. Buckler. Right. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that. And, you know, you watch these uh, Jordan documentaries and the last dance and everything. And, um, you know, you, you kind of always looked for that edge to get you going. I had that already kind of uh, going into that series to kind of prove uh, old Frank Cruz wrong. And, um, you know, he, he and I didn't see eye to eye. Neither did the eight other guys that left. But uh, the, uh, the, uh, he 100% knew who I was, my name. Uh, so the PA guy's the same guy that was there. Um, but I think – I think when that happened, it just created more of an edge and more of that FU attitude that I already had, but I, the whole team now had. Yeah, but and so did the team, exactly. The yeah. team really got behind Skip, and it was no pretty doubt. awesome. No doubt, and uh, ended up having probably the best series of my career there, and uh, it, it didn't hurt that my only home run that year was against LMU that series. So I, I appreciated the uh, Jerry Schmuckler comment from the PA guy. So that must have been in 2001. That's it. He only played one year for us, unfortunately. He was too good and jumped ship. I got hurt my sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I yeah, had a red shirt. Yeah. So 
Well, let, let's let's jump in and talk about 2001. 40 and 17, and and running through the roster and and the stats, and a couple names jump out. Obviously, Ryan Spielborg's also played in the big leagues, but uh, a name who I said a couple of years ago on the broadcast when Austin Bush broke his home run record in Hawaii, uh, Tyler Monchel, he had 18 home runs that year. We also had Dave Molidor, Chad Pesky, James Garcia, and Virgil Vasquez on that team. But some of the themes of these podcasts that I've been doing, like I want to, I want to know about the vibe of that team and like what made you guys kind of gel and, and be as good as you guys were. Aside from the talent, obviously. Let me start with that one. So that we had that two thousand Skip's first year, two thousand. We had a lot of those same guys, and and we were we we're pretty loaded uh, that year as well. Um, but Skip was really Skip was for me Skip on the offensive end, and then James Garcia on the, on the pitching side of it. They, those two guys were difference makers for me. That. And listen, that, that team, you named six guys or whatever it is, that team had 10 guys, 12 guys that were studs. I mean, studs. This team was really good. But, like I said, I, for me, Skip and his mentality that he brought was made that team that was really good in, in 2000 even better in 2001, as good as it was in 2001. And uh, like uh, he and James Garcia were two guys that brought a different mentality to an already really good group of guys. And they blended right in and, uh, you know, Skip's way for me. And I, and I said this, and, and like I said, that team has two other big leaguers, guy going into the hall of fame this year with Chad Pesh, you know, Bannon and, 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 and Jed Stringham and, just a number of guys, Riley Ogle, and, and just – it was just loaded with players. But stick and skip the top of that lineup made that team go. Now, and I think his, his attitude. The thing that made him popular and successful at the big league level and why he's coaching right now are what he brought to our team at, at that level. And, and, uh, and he'd be commended for that. And amongst, he was a star among stars. Well, I appreciate that, Prant. I think um, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit. I, I think, you know, we had we had a lot of different personalities that gelled. Um, you know, we had guys that were kind of clowns off the field, but on the field, they're ready to go. In the weight room, it was, it was pretty much uh, non-negotiable that we were going to get after it. I mean, some guys were in there with no shirts off. Dave Molitor appreciated <laughs> biceps more than maybe most. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun up and down, but the great thing about Bronx and what I didn't have at LMU is I'm a big believer in when you manage, you manage personalities and you don't just, there's not just one way to manage. So there's guys that you can get in, you know, in their ass a little bit. There's guys that you can, you know, coddle a little bit, whatever it is. Bronx knew how to do that. And that's what made this thing work uh, so well is because we had James Garcia was much different than me. Jim Bullard was different than me. Jed Stringham was different than me. Everybody needed to be coached differently and everybody respected Bronze and we knew how to, but we also had this core, like I said a little bit before, we had this accountability with each other that, yeah, we had fun, but when it was time to work, it was, we, we worked. And um, that's very rare at the college level for me um, to have so many guys, how what Bronze just said, really go to war together. And, and had that FU attitude as a, as a team. And it really starts from the top. And so that's what was so much fun for me because of where I came 
and to see how this was was night and day. And, and you know, I was ready to quit. I'll be honest with you. After my freshman year at LMU, I didn't want. I didn't know if I wanted to play anymore. And uh, Bronx gave me that life and and gave me that opportunity and that chance. And all you can ask for is a chance. And he gave me a chance. And I never played center field before ever. And he just gave me a chance. And uh, and that's all you can ask for as a player. And we took it. And we ran with it. Yeah, a couple of things to note about that year. You, you, three guys hit double-digit homers. Chad Pesky almost hit 400, 394. You had two 10-game winners. 338 team average. I don't know if, you know, say what you want about the bats. I don't know if, how what the bats were like in 2001. They probably weren't quite as loaded as they were in, like, 2007 or eight. Certainly weren't BB Corps, but this team could hit. This team could pitch. When, and you talk about gelling and accountability and looking through the schedule, you and we were talking about it before we started recording, but there was kind of a moment where you guys realized, like, okay, like, this team could, could do some serious things. And it was this crazy road trip that you took to Hawaii. And now that Hawaii is in the, in the Big West Conference, we go there every other year and play three games. The first year we won, I think we played four. We added a non-conference game. But – so I'm fairly familiar with what it's like going out to the islands and playing and playing at that stadium in front of a lot of people. And it's hot and it's, it's Hawaii. There's the time change, all that. But you guys played eight games in seven days. And, you know, Wichita State's out there. Hawaii was good. Like, that's a hard road trip to go out, especially, I mean, it looked like you guys flew out and then the next day, you know, after a game on Sunday, you flew out and were playing the next day. Like, it's a challenging road trip, to say the least. I've gone to Hawaii a lot of times when I was an assistant coach. And when you're assistant coach, you're a little bit closer to the players in regards to what they're kind of doing. You're closer to their – I was closer to their age back then. So, those trips were – those were they were tough trips. And I was really concerned about this trip spending – those were, those were four-day trips. This was going to be, an, you know, an eight-day deal and so was really concerned about how the discipline would play out and how you know all those games in a short period of time and you know how it was going to stretch your pitching staff and uh just how they're going to manage the heat and everything just the distractions uh but i as i said before we were talking that trip for me was when this team they spent so much time together and and probably did so many crazy things that it it brought them even closer together. And then the success they had on the, on the field, uh, just running through that tournament and winning that thing, uh, beating Hawaii in the championship game, to, you know, beating uh, Wichita State. And I just thought was, it was just full bore from there when we got back. And I, I commend the players for, uh, once again, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a different deal you have to have guys who put baseball first and that's, that's a difficult thing in, in Santa Barbara in particular, it's all year round in Santa Barbara, but you go to Hawaii, it's the same thing. And if you have guys that can put baseball first, uh, and I'm not saying that academics doesn't matter. Obviously academics is very important, but when you're playing baseball, it's what is most important. And when you're off the field, you do what you do with the idea that you still have baseball to do. And the guys that can do that can make that team. This team did that really well. And so that trip was turned out to be a phenomenal trip. And I'll, I'll let Skip tell you his version of it. But uh, for me, it was a great trip. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, there was, we had guys that, again, held each other accountable. There's no nonsense guys on our team. Chad Pesky was no nonsense. I was pretty no nonsense. Um, so I, I think, you know, guys enjoyed themselves uh, at the beach. We were home by 11 o'clock uh, in the morning. You know, we went out in the morning, um, got up early to see the beach. It was my first time in Hawaii, never been. It was my parents' first time in Hawaii. They'd never been. So, you know, I wanted to, to enjoy it a little bit, but I also knew that the game was the most important part of my day. And so I wasn't going to sacrifice going out, laying out, um, you know, snorkel, surf, whatever it was, uh, unless it was after a game. And I, I got to say, I don't think anybody did. And if they did, you know, they would hear it from us because they just, you know, sacrificed um, and they were selfish, you know, by trying to do something that sacrificed the game later that night. I think that um, that series, you know, did put us on the map for us. We knew we could beat anybody at any given day um, and kind of, you know, set the tone for the remainder of the season. Um, because Wichita State at the time, you know, that was a big, still is, but it was a big name in college baseball. Um, we knew that we were going to have our hands full. And, you know, after that game, we we're like, you know, we beat them, we'll beat anybody. And we weren't scared of anybody. And that was kind of our attitude anyway. But that just kind of helped the process. Um, and also, you know, we had, I, I got to mention Jimmy Walker because he was the mayor of – he thought he was, he might be, uh, the mayor of Hawaii. Um, he took us out. But I will say um, we were back in time. We, we were back, you know, before curfew. And um, because the game was the most important the next day, we weren't going to sacrifice that night. But we had, we had a good time, enjoyed ourselves, did nothing that, that would uh, ruin the next day for us. Yeah, and the results showed it won seven of eight games in seven days, and that's pretty impressive. And speaking towards the schedule as well, a testament to how good this team really was, you played five regional teams and two College World Series teams. Of course, Fullerton was the, the, the top seed in the tournament that year, but you guys also played SC, Long Beach in conference, played Cal and Temple, hosted Temple at home. But all five of those teams wound up being regional teams. and so. You get to the postseason, you have to go to South Bend, and it kind of reminds me of the Gauchos going to, to Nashville in 16, where it's kind of a weird year as far as the placement goes with the regionals. But, you know, the, I've heard a few things about the South Bend regional. Like, I think a, a couple things go the Gauchos' way. You know, we might be talking about something different here. But you know, what was it like going out to Notre Dame and, and playing in the postseason? It was great. The atmosphere was, was great. You know, the, the big time, you know, we did the whole football stadium tour and, you know, it was great. It was what you, what you expect in a regional. And, you know, I have to say that I got to defend this group a little bit. Uh, we could have won that regional and maybe should have. Uh, we had the misfortune of our best guy, best pitcher getting hurt at the end of our last series against Cal Poly. Uh, he got hurt and gutted it out. James Garcia hurt his leg. Uh, gutted it out and went out and pitched. The guy was 10-1 and one and was dominant all year, and he ended up losing both games. I think got the losses in both games in the regional. And it just wasn't the same guy. Uh, and so you had that going in, and Riley Ogle, was, who was dominant for us as well, was just on fumes as far as what he had left. And he wasn't a dominant guy, but – he just – he was on fumes. So he, he pitched the game we won, 
and he gave us four innings, but he just couldn't give us any more. So we had to go to our pen. So we go to our pen early, and then we have a rain delay. And then the rain delay went on and on. And then we had to play the next day, so we had to go to more pitching. And it just, it just put us behind the eight ball completely. And then, we, you know, we had to play the, a doubleheader. And then, you know, we had, uh, we had Notre Dame beat go into the, you know, to play Florida International for, you know, the, the championship. Uh, and then, you know, I made a mistake of bringing in Garcia again when he maybe shouldn't have been in. And so that was on me. He gave up a home run and we ended up losing. And so that was on me uh, completely. Uh, we scored a bunch of runs, but the pitching just did not – wasn't what we had throughout the whole year. Um, and so it was very fortunate. Very – one of those things you look back on. I got two regionals that I look back on in 86 and 2001 where I think, man, we had the best team in both of those regionals. And we went home. So it's very disappointing. And that's, that's, that's kind of how baseball works. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Notre Dame going to this football stadium was the highlight. It was probably the most disappointing time in my college career because of the team we had. It was we should not that I said not that I'm sitting here saying we looked past Florida International and looked past Notre Dame, but I kind of did, and it was a mistake. Um, you know, I, I knew they had one guy named Aaron Heilman on Notre Dame that you know we. I was looking forward to facing uh, in the championship game, looked right past Florida National, and we lost. Um, and that was probably the, the first blow, you know, right away. It was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what? who is Florida Internet? What are we talking about here? I'm, I'm looking to face Aaron Howman in, in a couple of days. Uh, and then, you know, facing Mark Pryor, you know, there's Super Regional. That's what I was looking for, and it looked right past him. It was a learning experience to me. James Garcia in that situation, we for me – I wanted to lose with my best guy. If we're going to lose, I mean, that's, that's so if it was someone else in that situation, we lose, I'm pissed off that why is James, I don't care if he has one leg or not, he needs to be in the game. And he was, and we lost. I mean, I, I'm okay with dying on the sword there, but uh, not, not if, you know, we have some freshmen in there and, you know, you know, that shouldn't be in there. So the disappointing part for me personally was maybe looking past uh, as a player Looking past him, I, I wanted Howman, I wanted Pryor, I wanted Brick Courier, you know, I wanted the SC, and you know, obviously, just looking past him was the mistake for me. So, 2001, I mean, a, probably a marquee year, at least in your career, Skip. You know, it's a, a very successful year. You get picked. You know, what what are kind of the memories that you take away, and maybe some of the lessons that you took away from that 2001 season and your experience as a Gaucho as you moved on into pro ball. Yeah, I, there's there's so many. Um, you know, 2000. You know, when I transferred in, um, you know, I no offense, but I never even got a recruiting letter from UCSB. You know, and from high school, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't a dude. I wasn't a guy. Um, Chad Peschke uh, called me, and, and you know, my dad was friends with his dad, and you know, said it's a great situation up here. Um, and Bronx took a chance, and so um, that I'll never forget him just taking a chance on me not knowing what he's going to get. Um, you know, Jeff Bannon was a shortstop. I wasn't even a shortstop yet. I mean, I never played the outfield. I was a shortstop. Um, so just took a fly, pretty much took a flyer. And, uh, you know, very lucky that he did that because I don't know where I'd be today. Um, I was thinking about going to Ju Juco route, whatever, but, you know, Peschke and Bronx, um, you know, changed, really changed my whole uh, journey 
and path in life. Um, so that uh, getting hurt in 2000 allowed me to take a step back and watch the game for the first time in my life. You know, always playing, 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 going, 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 and not really like learning, watching, slowing the game down. That really helped me um, seeing what the best player, why the best players are, you know, what do they do, why they tick, their work ethic, that changed. And then uh, in 2001, um, you know, realizing what a, you know, a core kind of group can really do for you as a team and how important that was to win. And it wasn't just about me. It's not just about you. It's about the team and what that can do, bouncing stuff off each other and how successful that, that uh, what chemistry can really do for a team. Um, so I took, you know, those things away. Um, the coaching side of it, now that I'm a coach, you know, learning from bronze of managing personalities. It's not just my way. Um, I'll never forget that part of it. There's a time to punch someone in the mouth, but there's also you know, a way to, to, you know, bring guys in. Bronx was the best at that. So I'll never forget that part of it. Um, the friendships, I'll never forget that part of it. Um, so there's so many things that I'm grateful for that UCSB gave me that what I really needed in the time of my life and uh, always be grateful for. So um, the baseball side of it, like having success, uh, um, for me, you create your opportunity. And, you know, it was the, the fall where I just, you know, created my opportunity. I worked hard. I was in the weight room. I was relentless after the game, you know, after practice. I was in the cage before, the donut on. I was trying to get stronger, trying to get faster, whatever it was, to prove that I could still play at the D1 level. I didn't, uh, of course, I had aspirations of playing in the big leagues, but I never thought that I would, you know, really, truly get there. I was just trying to be a starter on, on the UCSB Gaucho team. Um, and so, you know, creating my opportunity and realizing that if I did this, maybe it will open someone's eyes, hopefully Bronx's eyes, and I get a couple starts, and then just kind of went from there. I credit Skip Schumacher and Chad Pesky uh, on this. You know, Skip came in my office. You know, he said, to him, hey, Chad told me this is a place for me to be. And, and I said, hey, we'd love to have you, however. And I started – giving them reasons to scare them almost like, Hey, we've got, we've got a shortstop. We've got guys, we've got a pretty good team. You got to come in and earn it. And when a guy transfers in, you know, you, you leave a place for a reason, usually they're unhappy. And so I, I really want to make sure that the guy, I, I, to a fault, probably I try to sell that I'm going to give somebody an opportunity, but they're going to have to earn it and nothing's going to be given to them. And I want them when they come to know that, everything's on the table. And so, you know, Skip could have said, Hey, this guy's not, you know, he's not even giving me a, a carrot. He's just telling me I got to do this and do that. But he took that challenge and then he took it all. I mean, he would have helped if we had him in 2000, that 2000 team would have been even better. 2000 team was good. Could have been, could have been a regional club with Skip on that, in that lineup. But uh, from, from day one, you know, if he hadn't, you know, dislocated his shoulder uh, right before the season uh he would have been a starter every day his redshirt sophomore or redshirt freshman year when whatever it was his first year at UCSB in 2000 he took and earned everything he got and what you're hearing from him now is why he's an 11 year big leaguer and why they want him back in an organization to coach because that's what he brings to a program okay so 2001 fifth round pick you get into, into pro ball, you make it to the big leagues, you make your debut in 2005 with the St. Louis Cardinals, a 
organization that I'm fairly familiar with. My mom grew up in St. Louis. My grandpa and grandma, big Cardinals fans. So I'd always watch the Cardinals, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. And I remember watching that 2011 World Series because that was the, the David Freeze hit late in the game. And there was a lot of character and charisma on that team I remember watching. And, you know, you get Albert Pujols, Adam Wayne, right, you know, some good players. But how did – or how was your college experience? You know, how did that train you for performing at the big league level? Like at least like skill wise, and then applying the things that you learned about being a teammate to being a good teammate at the big league level with, you know, bigger personalities. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really changed for me. Um, the, the work ethic uh, doesn't change um, from 60 games, whatever college season is to 160. It's just, it's more of a grind. Um, the accountability is still there. Um, try to find ways to separate yourself from the pack. Uh, so, you know, for me in college, I was trying to, you know, separate myself, but trying to, you know, show bronze that I was ready. Um, that's no different when you're in the minor leagues. You're trying to separate yourself in some capacity, not being a kiss ass, but you're separating yourself because you really care and you want it. You want it more than maybe the next guy. Um, getting up to St. Louis, um, Tony Larusa was the manager, uh, and in Double A, his his old bench coach was a guy named Mark Dijon. That was my manager in Double A. Um, so I knew what Tony expected when I got up there because of Mark Dijon. Mark Dijon, I made the All Star team in Double A. I bunted on my own in the ninth inning in Double A. A guy on first base to get the guy over to second uh, with no outs, and the All Star game was the next day. Mark Dijon, uh, as I was using the restroom after the game, we won the game, walk off, uh, told me to find my own ride. I didn't have a car. Find my own ride there. You ever, you ever do your own thing, uh, you'll never play here again. Go ahead and find – he was the manager of the AA uh, All-Star game, by the way. Uh, go ahead and find your own ride. And I was like, what? He goes, if Tony doesn't put on a, a bunt, you're not going to bunt. If I don't put on a bunt, you're not going to bunt. I'm trying to prepare you for the big leagues. And I was like, there's a guy on first. Like, what are you talking about? And then he started talking about the matchups and the bullpen, how he'd want me to hit rather than the guy behind me hitting against the guy in the bullpen. So I started learning the game of, like, why he, why he wanted me to hit in this situation, that type of stuff. Um, so that really prepped me for Tony. So when I got to Tony, he didn't give me the bunt sign. I wasn't bunt, or I wasn't doing things on my own. And there was a reason, you know, behind the madness. Um, and Tony was ultra prepared. Uh, so I, I feared Tony, um, because I knew how prepared he was. So then I had to prepare even more. So just in case I got questioned in the, in the meetings or whatever it was. Um, so that goes back to the accountability. We had a Cardinal core, uh, that we, it was Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, uh, Yachty, Albert, um, and then myself in 2008, I was added, um, about the Cardinal core of guys keep it, you know, what we do on the field. Um, what we do off the field is going to dictate what we do on the field, make sure that we're doing things the right way, um, and then hold each other accountable. And it's not the easiest to do at 162 games. Um, but again, that college experience prepared me, the Hawaii experience prepared me for the big leagues. It really did. Not knowing it, obviously, when I was in Hawaii, um, but it really, really did. And so nothing really is different, it's just on a bigger stage. Uh, guys making more money. Um, 
guys that are, you know, this is life and death really because you have a family to feed that type of stuff. But, um, but it, it the, the preparation was, um, that really the same, it just prepared me for the big leagues. One of the things you, you love as a coach is, is you love seeing your players grow and develop in, in all facets of life. And it, they had nothing to do with Skip and his, what he is and who he is, but you have so much pride when you hear guys talk. I just, I just think that's why he's there. I, I, I'll just forever say that. That's what I talk about when I talk about the guy who made a difference for us that type of mentality. I mean, here he is with the St. Louis Cardinals and you just you mentioned all those guys he's going with and he's in that as one of the leaders. So that speaks volumes for him. Yeah. 2008, 2009, I mean, you really everyday player played 153 games in each of those years. And 2011, maybe more of a utility man, but make it to the world series, you get the ring. And, you know, we've, we've, we've covered a lot of serious stuff. I want to lighten the mood just a little bit. The players and the and alums and maybe some of the, the recruits or the kids who are listening, who are going to listen to this, you know, their aspirations are to play in the big leagues. And like I had an aspiration to play in the big leagues. And one of the things that I love is going to these ballparks and being in the stands, walking around, sitting in the outfield, sitting in the upper deck, like looking at the, the cityscape or whatever there is to look at the sunset. Like these are things that I love about the ballpark and I love our ballpark in Santa Barbara. I mean, the mountains, the grass, the dirt, like all that. I love it. Where did you ever have moments where maybe you're playing at, I don't know if you ever got a chance to play at Fenway park. I'm sure you, you definitely got to play at Wrigley, a place where I've been, but like, were there moments during your career where it's like, like I'm playing a Wrigley field and you have this kind of little kid moment on the field. No, <laughs> really? <laughs> I wish I did. I wish you know, one of the regrets I have was not enjoying the big leagues more. The atmosphere, the city, the you know the Wrigley Field, the Fenway played in Fenway. Um, the answer is no. I, my I was so driven to just stay in the big leagues, do whatever I could to stay. I got I was shipped up and down six or seven times the big leagues, from minor league big league, minor league big. So I was doing everything I could to survive. Uh, so going into Wrigley, um, you know, I was, how am I going to beat Carlos Zambrano tonight? You know, what, how can I beat Ryan Dempster? Or going into Fenway at the time, it was like, how am I going to beat uh, Tim Wakefield? Like, how am I possibly going to be able to put a bunt down in a big situation against this knuckleball? How is that possible? So that was more my mindset than, you know, going into Cal State Fullerton in a big series. I was trying to beat Kirk Charlos. That was my mindset. It wasn't like, Oh, cool. You know, the, the Ivy, it, it from now. Yeah. I mean, when I take my son and I'm coaching, it's like, this is Wrigley field. My, my, my father-in-law's dog was named Wrigley. I mean, I get that part of it. Um, but for me, it was like, how am I going to win today? Like how, how can I survive today? Help the team win, but how can I survive today? And uh, so not that that's the right way to go about it, um, but that was my mentality every day. So all years in the big leagues <laughs> seem to work. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes total sense. When you talk about the attitude going into Hawaii, when you talk about the attitude in the weight room and in practice, it totally makes sense that it translates up to the big leagues and you have a sole focus and it's a testament to how you got there and how you stayed there and how you were successful. Going through your 
your stat lines way at the bottom. I found that you threw four innings in the big leagues. And then I checked the Gaucho stat book and you also pitched as a Gaucho. So when we mentioned you as a utility man, I mean, talk about the ultimate utility man, even at uh, you had three strikeouts, you only allowed two earned runs in four innings. That's not bad. Yeah. It was about, uh, what eight less than I, than I let in as a gaucho uh, in the same amount of innings. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, when I, I, it's one of my least favorite things, honestly, in the big leagues, when position players pitch, I don't understand why that's a thing. Uh, the game should just end. It's just, someone's going to get hurt, but to have a inning at the big league level, I'll take it. Um, actually my catch partner, Aaron miles is the guy that took me deep and let, uh, when I was a Dodger, um, Aaron Miles hit one about nine miles and stood there and watched it. And then I was yelling at him, uh, if you YouTube it, I was screaming at him to run. It was like 18 to one. Um, but, uh, but he was staying, yeah. So, I, I mean, I knew exactly what he was doing. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, listen, it was a fun experience. Got to, you know, pitch on Dodger Stadium Mound, the, the uh, place where I grew up watching – baseball games as a kid so um if you're looking for the sentimental part of it you know as you were uh you know with the wrigley and the the, the skyline all that stuff, there's your sentimental part yeah there you go um but that's that's about it um i, I other than that um i do remember one of the uh highlights of my gaucho um pitching d- games uh, is at ucla we're winning bronze has been close and um it was a three two count something like that oh two count guy on third i in the stretch i come up my cleat um catches the the mound i stumble i throw it three feet in front of me it rolls all the way to the catcher the catcher gets it in front he was worker it gets in front of home plate so now it's a balk if he just lets it roll past home plate it's a ball run scores tie game at ucla so that was a good time that was a fun uh yeah, another coaching, uh, another coaching breakdown by me. And Skip, <laughs> listen, the guy, he was 92 with a hammer. He had a good – he had a – we had thoughts of him closing, obviously, because we went and, you know, down at UCLA and threw him in there. He had – you know, he threw maybe six pitches in the bullpen one day. So he, he was not prepared. We had toyed with it, and we threw him in the fire, and it was not fair. To be fair, the guy had a legitimate arm. Uh, I mean, it was 92 easy, and the hammer was legitimate as well. It was a it was a 12-6 breaker. Uh, his command wasn't, you know, he was a, he was a position player pitching, but there was something there. Uh, I'm not saying he'd been playing the big leagues with it, but in the college game, he could have been a closer had we managed it better. And and I kicked that as far as you can, and so. Uh, but it is a good story now. Uh, we would have had one more win if he could have – if Donnie would have let the ball roll across the plate, he would have got out of that jam and we would have won that game. But uh, yeah, experiment, my fault, but it was fun while it lasted. You know, on a, on a you know, lighter note, terrible note actually, is that I, I, I thought we won that game, Bronx. Maybe we lost. I'm not positive. But on the way home is when that, that uh, the guy would oh. rant – Driving home, you know, driving and hit everybody in IV. Uh, but I'll never that forget the that. I thought that was the Loyola weekend. I'm, I was it. I, I thought it was UCLA on the way home. Been, right. it, 
yeah, could have been. Yeah. yeah, so that was a bad deal. Yeah, right. no doubt. We were on phones calling. Everyone was yeah. calling, going, "What's going on? What's going on?" It was. Yeah, that was a bad time. Yeah, no doubt. Bad, bad. So, well, on another sentimental side of things, there's a photograph in the office in the ICA right now. It's up on the wall, and it's of you, Skip, getting your uniform ripped off by Brian Wilson, the beard. Uh, at a Dodger game, you must have hit a walk-off hit, but there it is, UCSB baseball under your Dodger shirt. Yeah, no, pretty cool. Um, you know, obviously wasn't anticipating my shirt getting ripped off uh, at that time by Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson, you know, he interesting guy, um, to say the least. Uh, he, uh, he didn't believe in showering after the game. That was a fun, fun fact. And he uh, sat next to me. Uh, plane flights and during the uh he's my locker mate so that's a fun fact Excellent. um so i yeah, i never got dressed quicker for the game um got out of there pretty quick and onto the field at about six o'clock on the line because it was uh not the best smell you've ever uh smelled in your whole life anyway uh but yeah so he uh, was a walk-off um pretty cool you know that 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 got uh someone took a picture of that um it was Nick Punto was a teammate in uh, St. Louis and then on the Dodgers. His nickname is the Shredder. The Shredder is because he thinks it's funny when you have like a nice shirt buttoned down. He's just going to go over and shred it and buttons flying everywhere. Uh, on the plane, restaurants, walking through a lobby, you know, your $100, you know, nice, feeling good about yourself shirt on the road and just button the yard sale. Uh, so that – went into walk-offs where if you walked off you he shredded people just started shredding jerseys and buttons flying everywhere you know who didn't love that were clubhouse guys clubhouse guys did not like that part of the uh part of the trip it's yeah. my least favorite celebration uh i cannot i never understood it so punto started that is that what we're we're giving him credit for that i'm giving it yeah the shredder is his uh that's his twitter handle and everything and uh that's Cal guy right He's a so guy. Went to, yeah, went to the same high school as my wife, actually. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll let him know how much you appreciate that. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to do laundry a time or two. I wouldn't like that either. So <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. And playing guys get hurt, too. That's the whole other problem. It's not good. So you finished up your career at the Reds. You retired in 2016. And you'd mentioned it a couple times earlier. And, and Bob mentioned it, too, you know, just the way you help with the chemistry of the team and what motivated you to, to stay in the game and be a coach. Cause you know, it's one thing to, to go back and, and coach your kids and I'm sure you're probably doing that. It's one thing to go and be a high school coach. It's another thing to, to stay in the professional ranks and, and be a coach in the big leagues. You know, that's, that's the ultimate test. And what motivated you to do that? Yeah, there's some there's some layers to this. Um, my terrible experience my freshman year of college, um, really wanting to quit, and I didn't want that for any young player, or um, and I felt like I could impact them in a way where because I learned from it. I learned from what a coach can do to a kid because we have kids 17, 18 years old in the minor league system um, that can be detrimental to your career and end up wanting just you know hang it up done. So that part of it, I wanted, I wanted to coach. I didn't know if it was going to be professional or even this soon, but I knew I wanted to stay in the game in some capacity. They offered me right away to be at San Diego to be the assistant um, uh, special advisor where I'd go around the minor leagues and kind of 
um, help create a culture in, in each uh, minor league level. Um, tell them what I thought, you know, whether it was coaches, players, whatever it was. Um, really enjoyed that. Really, these you know, these kids are well. Bronze has a, a Johnny's in the minor leagues right now. Um, you can really these kids are sponges. They just they will do anything to get to the big leagues and they'll listen. That's also a, a bad thing sometimes because you're willing to do everything. Um, so you kind of kind of navigate through that. But I felt like I could help impact um, the young kids initially. Um, you know, drive them, motivate them, give them my story. I was never a top prospect, very lightly recruited out of high school, um, transferred, injured, um, you know, never a, a top 30 prospect in an organization and ended up getting 11 years in. So, I, I mean, I felt like I had that story that, it, you know, it's not just the Clayton Kershaw's get, get to the big leagues. I could help with other guys also um, with, with kind of, you know, the adversity and stuff that I went through. Um, as a player, um, when you leave the big league level, um, it's, it's difficult to get back in the game. If you don't stay in right, if you get offered something right away, you know, they forget about you. That's just the bottom line. And, um, to have an opportunity to be on the big league side, uh, was a, was a chance that I, you know, felt like I, an opportunity I had to take advantage of, um, that turned into the special advisor role to first base coach in two years. Uh, to now the um, associate manager uh, in San Diego. And it's been a learning experience. Um, but again, credit Bronx. I know I'd say this if he wasn't on this, um, of managing egos and managing personalities uh, is something that has stuck with me since I was 19 years old. And it wasn't just one way or you're gone. Um, Tony was great at that. Uh, you know, he managed Albert different than he managed Carpenter, than he managed me. You know, wouldn't look like it from the other side in the dugout, but he did. And that's why he's a Hall of Fame manager. So I've taken, you know, bits and pieces from every, every good person I've been around. But, uh, but it was more so about how to, you know, um, manage kids and personalities. And so I think that was kind of, you know, my path, you know, into the coaching ranks. I mean, there's, that's an exciting young team that you guys have in San Diego. You talk about Manny Machado. You talk about... Fernando Tatis, Chris Paddock, a young pitcher, uh, Joey Lucchese. Like, those are some, some young guys who have this world of talent, but they've also got some personalities. And, I mean, what, what has it been like coaching those guys? Because, I mean, we talk about Machado and Tatis. I mean, the, the world is their oyster. I mean, they're so good. They've got so much talent. Uh, what is it like coaching them and, and, and trying to – have a positive impact on them as big leaguers? Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, um, great kids. They're all really, really good people. High character guys. Work ethic has been great. Um, you know, I think, you know, thinking about Albert Pujols real quick. Albert Pujols was taking early BP in the middle of September in 2010. And Chris Duncan was on our team at the time. And he's like, Albert, what are you doing? Why are you? It's like 130, and he's taking multiple, multiple reps. And this guy's won a 2006 World Series, an MVP, a Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, everything you could name, right? And he's like 13th round, 13th round. He was still pissed off that he was a 13th rounder. Ten years later, right? He's already made 100 and whatever million, and you know all these accolades. My point is, is how do you keep motivating? 
really successful young big leaguers. Tatis sees himself on MLB Network every day, right? Uh, you know, Manny's got, you know, however many millions and Hosmer and Paddock's the, the sheriff. It's like, okay, how do you keep these guys? How do you keep motivating these guys? What is it that keeps these guys motivated every day um, and not just okay with what's already happened? Um, you watch these Kobe things and, and Michael Jordan things, and it's just so inspirational. So as a coach, how do you keep them motivated? And uh, so far, it's been pretty dang good. I've been very lucky with the, the farm system that um, A.J. Preller has developed uh, with Tatis and Paddock and Gore and all these guys that are coming up and, and these signs that uh, with Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer. But I think the main thing is, you know, we're competing against the Dodgers right up the, right up the street, and that's not easy. Um, because you have guys there that are extremely motivated because they've lost the World Series a couple of years in a row. Um, so the motivation for me is is kind of you know the key thing uh, as a coach um, at this level. It's a non-negotiable, and so how do you do it? And sometimes it's just the guy. The guy has to do it. it has it's inside of him. It's tough to do as a coach. Um, but but other times it's you know the guys you know it's up to us to help navigate that. You ever uh, you ever call up old Coach Bronce and pick his brain about the 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 motivation? I don't. I haven't yet, and probably won't. But just be honest, because I learned from Bronce. Again, the 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 best thing that I ever got at Santa Barbara, I still use today, and it's managing people and egos and and uh, personalities, and I. Again, that's the, that's the number one thing I got out of Santa Barbara, and it was because of Bronze. Um, managing a college game and a big league game is much different. And, um, and so, like, it's just Bronze is oh, going to be a friend forever. Um, but as far as the life lesson that I learned, I got that. And so I'll be forever grateful for it. Well, that's great. Uh, Bronze, you're so stoic. Listen to all this praise. I love it. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it at all, and uh, I appreciate what he's saying, whether it's true or not. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's 100% true. Again, this isn't, this isn't a podcast where I'm just going to sugarcoat. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a fluff guy. I don't BS. I mean, that's just not who I am. It's not in my nature. Um, and so this, this is the honest truth. I had a really tough time my freshman year, and I wouldn't be here without what happened to me at Santa Barbara. And so again, that's that's just the honest truth. It's nothing, nothing that's being sugarcoated at all. To finish up, is there a spot back on campus that you remember going to that is uh, that is fond for you? I know it doesn't sound like you're a terribly sentimental person, but like when was the last time you were in in Santa Barbara? Last time was 2011, I think. Right, Bronx. We took, it was Mike Young and I talking about the World Series uh, when Mike Young was Texas and. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the last time, maybe a year after that. But honestly, every time the alumni game lines up, I'm gone to spring training or something happens where, you know, because as a coach, you are, you're, you're weeks and weeks before, you know, the players get there. Um, and so every time it's lined up where I'm, I'm already gone, it's kind of late in January, sometimes February. So I'm already out. Um, so it hasn't been, it's been almost gosh, 10 years coming on 10 years, actually. Um, but so I haven't seen the lights. Um, I re I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, a night game uh, that just blows my mind that that's a possibility. Uh, it's pretty cool. Something that was definitely needed 
um, can't imagine just because the practices, uh, you know, sometimes it got dark at like four 30. It's a joke. And so now that you can, you can go forever. I mean, what a, a huge competitive advantage that is. Um, but I'm looking yeah, forward. Say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. I'll just say two things. He, you know, he may not have been back in 10 years or whatever the heck it is, but he's answered the bell every time someone has stepped up from UCSB and said, Hey, can you help? Skip has been there. Skip has answered the call and, and said, I, I'll be there. I'll do whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, and it doesn't mean he has to come on campus. Uh, but he has always answered the bell and it's something I've always appreciated. Uh, and if you get a chance to come on, these lights are really good. I mean, they're as good as, as any college program, you know, on the West coast for sure. They are outstanding. And, uh, it's too bad. We didn't get to play too many this year, but resting up for next year. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. And uh, to the final, the answer to your final question, free birds. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, that's That's probably the, the place I hit up the most. Uh, it was the, the burrito free birds. Well, free birds is still there. They're alive and well. And, and the lights are the real deal. And I couldn't believe it. The first time we turned them on neither. Like uh, it's incredible. And no, it's awesome. Like we've we've been able to it's it's a huge it's a boost to to the program. Uh, I'm so happy to be a part of it, and I'm so happy to be a part of this podcast. I mean, this was great. I mean, we're talking about Skip Schumacher and Bob Bronsma. I mean, what more can be said about these two guys? And we really appreciate the time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks, Kevin. Big thanks to our guests, Skip Schumacher and Bob Bronsema. We'll have some more pods like that down the line with Ryan Spielborgs and Michael Young. So keep an eye out for those. Also, big thanks to our sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. My farmhouse salad was delicious. And also, I really hope that Skip has some baseball to coach this summer. We're already at the end of May and things are looking bleak, but I want to remain positive and hope that players and owners can figure this stuff out because... I mean, heck, we'd, we'd all like to watch some baseball this summer. Next week, we're going to have an esteemed guest. We recorded it a couple of days ago, and I'm still thinking about it. It was eye-opening and fun and inspirational and emotional all at the same time. Coach Ferrer will sit down with me, and that will come out next Sunday. So please, please tune into that one. It was very good. Uh, Coach Ferrer so full of memories, and he's just so well-spoken and a big endorser of the Gouches and has always been. So that will do it for this week. Please subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Like, comment, and share on social media, Instagram and Twitter, wherever you uh, get your Gaucho news. And please help spread the word about the Gaucho 9 podcast and that we're out here talking about Gaucho baseball. So continue to stay safe and stay positive, and we'll talk to you next week here on the Gaucho 9 Podcast.